This is Courage Cast. More power, less fear, so you can make a difference. Well, hey, everyone. I am super excited about today's guests today. I've been a fan of Jeff Brown's for a while. And Jesse, I've seen in and out uh, in the peripheral of my my world, my online world, I guess. But just grateful to have two guests on today, the authors, the co-authors of the book, Read to Lead. Welcome, Jeff and Jesse. Jeff Brown and Jesse Wisniewski. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. So the listener can identify you a little bit. So Jeff, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and how you started the Read to Lead podcast? You've been doing this for a long time. Mm. Give us a little bit of a origin story of that. Yeah. uh, Just real briefly, um, I did radio for 26 years. I took a sort of a detour in the music business back in the late 90s. And I think that's where you and I first met back at the Word Mer days. And radio career ended at about 2013. And just before that ended, not by choice, I should add, I had began planning a podcast. I had this idea for a podcast where I wanted to interview authors. I was reading a book a week anyway. And well, let's turn that passion into a podcast. And hey, maybe I'll get some free books out of it. (laughs) But uh, about a month before that was to launch, I got canned. I got let go, uh, downsized along with a couple of my colleagues. And at that point, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do long term. I had a side hustle I was doing and I jumped into that uh, to kind of keep my head above water and couple that with severance. I was fortunate enough to have some severance to kind of keep my head above water for about eight months, at which point I I began sort of leveraging the podcast in a relatively short period of time, leveraging the podcast I was creating to begin earning an income that way. And I let go of the side hustle at that point, and uh, somehow, some way, although you know some years have been better than others, it's not all unicorns and, and rainbows. But uh, somehow, some way, I've managed to earn a living on my own, which is something I used to not think was possible. I didn't realize that I can actually make more money doing my own thing than someone else might pay me to work for them. That was outside my comfort zone years ago. But uh, in large part, and much of what we'll talk about today, through the reading that I've done, I kind of got out of that mindset uh, after after a while. I have so much to ask you about that, but I want to I want to hear <laughs> Jesse's backstory, origin story of how you got to this point. Yeah, thanks for asking. So for me, as it especially as it relates to the book. So in growing up, I did not grow up in a household that emphasized education. The first book that I purchased on my own was when I was 20 years old, and that was because I was getting ready to go on a date with a girl who is now my wife, and she had an interest in reading. So I figured to impress her and to have something potentially intelligent to talk about, I figured I should purchase a book and read it so that way I could bring it up in our conversation. So the first book I purchased was the Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Can't really recall uh, the contents of the book. Can't say that the book itself was life-changing, but reading that book was the first step for me in reading a lot more books, which have then transformed my life uh, personally, professionally. And over the years, after having read so many books and having had such a positive experience with reading books, I started sharing that with some blog posts and articles, which then turned out into, oh, a book idea. Let's, you know, let's start working, uh, putting, let me, let me put this into a book form. And so I actually started that and had an outline connected with the literary agent. We pitched the book originally and got some great feedback and stuff, but nothing really to, to take advantage of and pursue. Fast forward from that point, a year and a half or two years later, Jeff and I happened to be acquainted 
And uh, it also turned out that we lived in the same town at the time. I've since moved just as of last week. So we had a conversation and uh, I brought it up of like, hey, here's a book idea. Here's kind of the thoughts and the outline uh, behind it. Is this something you would be interested in and partnering together? It seems like a really natural fit with uh, the podcast. And so he agreed, you know, I agreed. We worked it out and the proverbial rest is history. And Eric, we are sitting down today chatting with you about Read the Lead. And this is exciting to be able to encourage more people to read more books and to experience the transformative effects that books can have in their lives. So excited about that. Wow. Yeah, that is not by chance that all of this is is happened, that this passion was stirred into you. Isn't it funny, though, that a date with a girl is the motivator for <laughs> starting to read? I mean, I oh, can totally so relate to that. <laughs> yeah, so many things. My wife is a positive motivational force. <laughs> <laughs> Love is a positive motivational force. Yes. Well, I wanted to ask, go back to Jeff for a second. Jeff, how did you, how have you been able to monetize this Read to Lead podcast? I'm just mm. curious how that works for you. You do this mm. full time. As far right. as I know, you don't right. do anything else, but I'm just curious from the entrepreneurs that listen to my podcast that know that I've just come back from podcast movement, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. So how do you do that? Yeah, uh, lots of ways. It can't just be one because I wouldn't survive if I just did one. But over the years, I've managed to uh, to build up, I think I last count was like 12 different streams of income, not all firing at the same time, of course. But uh, my friend, Mike Kim, who I believe you know, says uh, success is sequential, not simultaneous. Actually, I think it was Gary Keller from the book, The One Thing, who said it first. But Mike uh, quotes it quite a bit. And that's been the case for the first you know, seven years of my podcast journey. It started with a course and doing joint venture webinars. And that led to a one-on-one coaching. And then next was public speaking. Then I was doing uh, paid mastermind groups uh, over the course of several years, a membership site. I did a virtual summit and continue to do many of those things. Some of them you know, were just one-offs, but uh, many of them come back again and again, like courses and that sort of thing. And that eventually led to writing a book, which I count as well, because in our case, that came with a nice chunk of change last year in the format of advance. And so that to me is just yet another monetization uh, moment. I even taught a college course for several semesters that while it didn't pay a great deal, it was something that I always wanted to do. And that came about as uh, because of a podcast, because yeah. of the podcast I was doing. So again, it's probably 11 or 12 different things, but they all add up. It's a diversified portfolio, you might say, like an investment portfolio. And not all of them are happening at the same time, but they all come together to, to create you know, my livelihood. Yeah. Who's the audience for that? Are they looking to... Are they authors or, or are they people... I mean, you're not teaching people how to read, are you? Right. right. Well, I'm trying to make books more accessible. So the podcast, Read to Lead, is, is sort of an audio cliff's notes. Yeah. And so I interview authors about their book and we disseminate the key insights and main ideas. And so I wanted to do that because as I looked around me back in 2013, as one of the few people I knew at the time who read with any regularity, I thought, gosh, what can I do to change that? Maybe it's putting some of this information in more of a bite-sized form. And that was even before I was familiar with things like you know book summary companies or apps or, or that sort of thing. And this was just my way of making them more accessible. And the book is kind of the next step uh, because I think consuming books in bite-sized chunks is great as an on-ramp, but I don't think that's a permanent solution. And so the next obvious phase was to write a book that helps people understand how to make books in general easier to disseminate, easier to comprehend, easier to retain, 
and, and even easier to get through. We chose to do that with a book. It's kind of meta. It's a book about books. It's a book about reading, but it seemed like the logical uh, next step. Okay. So read to lead the book and obviously out of the, the experience that you've had with this podcast, Jeff, Jesse, there are in the book, you talk about the science-backed reasons reading is going to help you build your career. Why do you need to read like your career depends on it? And what are some of these, these scientific reasons reading is going to help build your career? Great question. Yeah. So the first chapter you hit it on, why you need to read like your career depends upon it. Jeff and I both share our experiences and how reading helped us uh, professionally at different points in time. For instance, for me back in 2012, I just started a new position at an organization, was working as a copywriter, staff writer, and just since that, my position was soon to be phased out. So at that point in time, I just figured, okay, I don't have the time or resources right now to go get a new degree or obtain a certificate or learn some sort of new skill. But I do have the time and resources to read a bunch of books, to learn something new within the organization. So that way I can make an internal pivot. So long story short, we dig in this a little details, but read a bunch of books about content marketing. There was a position like that available in the organization, put together a little planned proposal, worked out well, was able to make the pivot and worked out, you know, with the organization afterward. But with that, what's interesting, like why people need to read like their career depends upon it. When you look at like a lot of statistics, average employee tenure is around four and a half years. Hmm. Uh, The average millennial tenure at a company is less than three years. And now when you look at the life expectancy of a company on the S&P 500, it's barely 15 years. So the point in all of that is just showing there's a ton of transition and change that's taking place for a variety of reasons. And that because that is the case, we can't just remain stagnant and still that we have to be learning or growing or we're going to be declining. I mean, it's just kind of like a natural kind of process or law there. And so there's a lot of ways people we can grow and learn, uh, develop skills, you know, again, going, you know, college degrees, certificates, whatever that could be. But we think that one of the most effective and cost-effective and efficient ways to do that, to be a lifelong learner, to stay ahead of the curve and to grow is through reading books. And Eric, like you point out, that's because of the scientific benefits, the research back that show like reading of books are transformative. So a lot of the things we hit out in the book is reading books. This is all based on different studies and stuff, for instance, can increase your professional opportunities, helps you improve on your decision-making skills, It's also helpful in reducing stress. I mean, call me crazy, but I think all of us can live and work a little better if we have a little less stress in our life. So it helps you sleep more and improves your ability to read in a couple of ways. One, from reading specific books on leadership or management skills, perhaps maybe biographies of leaders you respect. Even just reading in general uh, helps us to be more empathetic. So when we're better able to relate with people emotionally and stuff, that's just going to put us in a better position to influence somebody. So reading obviously is going to make us uh, more, uh, make us more intelligent. So it's going to expand vocabulary, introduce us to new ideas. Helps us more creative. And at the end, it, you know, reading is going to help people become more uh, better able to communicate as well. So when you look at it from why you need to read, because it's a lifelong learning process, it's cost effective, tons of benefits to it. That's you know one of the big reasons that we just want to sound the trumpet like this is one of the best things you can do with your time and money to continue to grow and develop yourself as an individual person professional. Jeff, how many books are you reading a month? 
A month, uh, it's generally uh, between four and six. So I average about a book a week, but then I've usually got, and those are generally people I'm going to be interviewing on the podcast, but I've generally got two or three others sort of in the pipeline that I'm reading little bits and pieces of as I go. Uh, but I generally dedicate each week to a single book and give that the bulk of my attention and focus. So 50-ish, 50 to 60 books probably in a year. So for the normal person, because that <laughs> sounds like a lot, and you do this full-time, this is mm. something that you you dedicate to. So for somebody that's that has other activities, other mm. jobs, career, et cetera, for the regular guy or girl or lady, what would you say? Because here's where I get hung up. Sometimes when I'm reading a nonfiction book, I find myself stopping and wanting to apply the things that mm. I'm reading and then it ends up taking me weeks and weeks to finish a book because I'm I'm wanting to stop and then and then work on those things. What would you recommend is the best way to read a book? Is it just depend on the purpose for the, of the book or the the type of book you're reading? Let's say a nonfiction it, it, book. Yeah, it can depend. Even within nonfiction, it, it can vary in the sense that uh, you know most or a lot of nonfiction books are going to be books that you're going to read, and they're going to be you know have a dozen things or whatever it is the the tasks you've made for yourself you want to go out and implement and do and try and experiment on. But sometimes you know nonfiction you, you can read a particular nonfiction book and it just be you reading it for how it impacts your thinking and the way you approach a particular area or areas. So it doesn't always have to include a list of of to dos now. But a couple of things to your point that I recommend is when folks tell me, uh, or at least this is uh, somewhat connected to what you were asking, a lot of folks will say, Jeff, how do you read as much as you do? And, or how can I do that as well? One of the first things I ask is, are you scheduling time to read? And often the answer to that question is no. And so to me, anything that you want to actually accomplish has to be scheduled. What gets scheduled gets done, as Michael Hyatt mm -hmm. uh, is famous for saying. And so I think that's step number one is to schedule a half hour in the morning or whatever the time is. Uh, I schedule times throughout the day to read. And that time is protected, Eric, just like you know, any other meeting or you know, podcast interview or anything else I'm doing su such that if someone asks me for my time and I look at my schedule and I see that that's time I've got set aside to read, I can choose to let go of that if, if I really feel like their request is important. But I also uh, am, am okay to look at that and tell them, you know, I've got an appointment during that time, can we choose another time? Because I think an appointment with yourself is important as an appointment with anybody else. And so you've got to ask, is it important enough to me? Am I making time for it? Am I scheduling time for it? Beyond that, one of the techniques we talk about in the book, when it comes to especially nonfiction and maybe getting through books a little more quickly, one thing you might try in the outset, see if this works for you. Most nonfiction books are read or can be read such that they're skimmable. Uh, you can read the table of contents and begin to familiarize yourself with what it is the author is trying to get across. You can read the subheadings and headings throughout a particular chapter. Oh, by the way, you don't have to start with chapter one a lot of times in a nonfiction book, right? Looking at the, that table of contents, you might go, oh, well, chapters seven and 15 resonate with me. Let me start there. Most times with nonfiction, you can do that. Read the heads and the subheadings of the chapter. Then go back to the beginning of the chapter. Read the first and last sentence of each paragraph. Oftentimes doing that, and it just takes a few minutes to do that, will disseminate for you the key insights and main ideas that the author is trying to get across. So uh, beyond that, I would say uh, give yourself a break. And if you struggle with making this a habit, I would take uh, something I learned from Dr. B.J. Fogg in the book Tiny Habits, and that is make your habit tiny. For you tomorrow, 
The first step might be with your morning cup of coffee, let's say, if that's something you already do every day anyway, let's tie your book habit to something theme-wise that makes sense. Coffee and books go together well. And if it's something you do every day anyway, that's even better. So when you get to your morning coffee uh, tomorrow, uh, decide that today I'm going to open up the book and read the first page. Or today I'm going to open up the book and read the first paragraph or the first sentence. Or maybe your goal is today I'm going to sit down and have my morning cup of coffee and just open the book. And then I'm going to celebrate and be excited about what I just accomplished. And then the next day I'm going to do that again. I'm going to just open the book or whatever the tiny goal is and wire in your brain a celebration. So your brain begins to go, hey, I kind of like that feeling. I want more of that feeling. Fogg talks about this in the context of brushing his teeth, but he had trouble uh, developing a habit of flossing. Well, those two go together, right? So he started with brushing his teeth. When I brush my teeth, I'm going to floss one tooth and then I'm going to celebrate. And over time, you're like, well, I'm here anyway. I might as well do two teeth, <laughs> right? So it works the same for reading and for just about any habit you're trying to install. Jesse, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that. There was something that came to mind while Jeff was dropping that gold that I'm picking up again here. <laughs> so good. One of the things we like to encourage with readers of the book and reading in general is when you think about especially nonfiction book. Okay, so studies show that the average uh, person reads 238 words per minute when it comes to nonfiction. So the average length of a nonfiction book runs around 50,000 words. So when you just do the quick math and divide the average length of a nonfiction book by the average speed at which somebody reads, you can see it only really takes about three and a half hours to read a non-average nonfiction book. So to Jeff's point, in terms of the developing little habits, it really isn't such a Herculean task when you break it down that way, that if you're really just looking to score 15, 30 minutes a day for a few days a week, that you, you know, you could read a book a week. Now, Jeff, of course, when he's reading his books for his podcast, he's spending more time reading through it and taking notes and stuff like that. But when it comes to just encouraging people to read, like, hey, look, this is really doable. You can do it. It's not as long as you think it can. And to Jeff's point, scheduling it, building those habits, habit stacking, I guess, as James Clear, even in Atomic Habits, talk about what can you do to build that into the regular rhythms of your, your life and work. Cause I think the way you even prefaced all of that. So for me, I have a full-time job, married, five kids, dog, two cats and a rabbit, and then working on the book here with Jeff <laughs> on the side. So how do you make the time to read, right? It's like, well, you've got to schedule it and you've got to make the time. So over the years I have the habit now, but it took me time to get to that point in time. And then obviously with all the kids and life in general, I, we just moved as well. So my reading hasn't been as, as much as a robust that I like it, but you know, here soon, once things settle down after our recent move and stuff, then try to get swimming right back in the waters of reading books again more regularly. I got to say, I'm looking at Jesse's video right now. And Jesse, I'm super impressed by your your book, massive bookcase that you have behind you. Is that like, are all those books you've, those are books you've read? Most of these are books that I've read. And then some of these are books that I'm about to read. Uh, for instance, I have a stack of books here that are all on branding. So this is one of the things we talk about and read delete is, hey, if you really want to do a deep dive into a particular topic, consider building a curriculum for yourself. And so this is something that Jeff and I only share in the book, but it's you know also something that we do ourselves. So there's a stack of books I'll get ready to go through on branding because that's an area in my marketing career, like, all right, I really want to learn more and stretch myself in this area. But yeah, so most of these are books I've read. And then I've got a lot more 
elsewhere. I think I was commiserating with Jeff. So when we recently moved, I had to get a U-Haul mostly for books because I, I think I have around 3,600 to 4,000 now. A lot of them I read. Of course, a lot of those I haven't read. Some of those are kid books as well. But yeah, lots of lots of books and have to ask for forgiveness often from my wife and purchasing said books. <laughs> <laughs> You, yeah, that's, that's another issue because I'm a bookaholic as well. I've got a bookcase. I've got a probably 40 books that are on my to read list and it just, or on my to read bookcase, the set, the, the shelf of these books. And, and I almost feel guilty because I haven't gotten to them yet. What yeah. would you say to somebody like me who, and either one of you can answer this, would you suggest me reorganizing the shelf so that it's based on theme or I just don't even know. It's almost, it's almost too overwhelming now where I should even start. I would say, and Jesse is certainly welcome to chime in here too, but I would say to identify with each of those books over time, maybe your first task is to do this, Eric, identify with each of those books what it is you want to get out of that book. In other words, begin with the end in mind, as, as Covey says, right? Take a particular book. What do I only want to get out of this book? Identify that for each book, even write it down. And then understand with nonfiction, particularly, you then tackle the book based on having set that goal. And again, that might mean starting with chapter five, because that's got the stuff you want to tackle. And once you've read three or four chapters, let's say, you may have accomplished the goal you set out to accomplish. You can now set that book down. You can call that, in my uh, opinion, a red book, a finished book. Yeah, you can go right on to the next one, do the same thing. And I think doing that is going to maybe help take away some of the overwhelm of there's these, you know, in this case, 40 books. It may involve it for you, again, depending on what that goal is, not necessarily having to read all of every one of those books to ultimately get what you want to get out of them. Yeah progress, not perfection. I think yeah. that's the thing. We tend to think we have to even be, me as a type A, of course, I think, okay, I need to be perfect in my reading and I need to maximize this book mm -hmm. that I just purchased. But yet I love that you're giving me the permission <laughs> to just go to chapter five or, or look mm -hmm. at what I want to get out of the book, go to the chapters that I think are going to be most useful for me and then be okay with calling it good and then moving mm -hmm. on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What a relief, guys. Thanks for solving my, <laughs> just my give problem. Just permission, yeah. yeah. I think that just to add to what Jeff's saying there, one of the things, one of the sections in the book is uh, helping people identify like what books you should read and how. So we walk readers through, Here's, you know, different types of books you should read for like personal enrichment, professional development, spiritual enlightenment, and then questions to ask to help people think through like, all right, these are the books I want to read. And then the chapter following that in the section is like, all right, this is how you build a reading plan. So I'm going to have the same problem that you do, Eric, since it's been several weeks since I've really read through this accumulating stack of books that I have now. So it's like, okay, that feels a little stressful and overwhelming when you look at them all at once. So what I'll end up doing, which I've done many a times before when it happens is, all right, uh, this is the plan we have in the book too. It's like, all right, I need to just kind of the just point earlier, you need to create a schedule, reconnect with your why, like what do you want to accomplish out of what you're reading? And then it's just creating that plan. Like, okay, I'm going to be able to read four books this month or 10 or whatever it is, or one. And then it's just putting that down on paper and scheduling it and then just working that one to whatever done is for you. If that's the whole book, great. If that's parts of the book, 
wonderful. Get what you know out of it what you need, especially if it's a nonfiction book that you're reading to solve a particular problem uh, or overcome a challenge at work or life or whatever it could be. And then just move on to the next one. And so that's what I would think as you're looking at that daunting list of to be read books is take a breath, reconnect with the why, like Jeff was pointing out, and then just putting it down and planning it out and tackling it one at a time. So trust the process, trust the mm-hmm. science also that mm-hmm. what I'm reading is soaking into my brain and it may not yeah. be useful even for that moment. But I, I just like, I think one of the points that you made, Jeff, is I remember clearly... It's amazing how much when I'm talking to people, as an influencer myself, uh, when I'm talking to people or when I'm reading a book and I think of, I want to pull out just this one point that was made, it stimulates me to record maybe a five, 10 minute episode or a a social media post or or, uh, maybe a small group that I'm leading. It's something, and I lead a group of young entrepreneurs. There may be just one point in that book that Mm -hmm. I've read that allows me to then just is reminded uh, as I'm mentoring these kids Mm. that is useful for them. So uh, just trusting the process, trusting the science that what I'm reading is going to be ingested and will come back to me maybe a more useful time that I can apply either as an influencer or to my business. Jesse and I were just doing an interview earlier today, and uh, the interviewer uh, mentioned that he had read uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and for 10 years didn't think that that book really resonated with him until he realized one day, I quote this book all the time. I wasn't even aware that I was doing it, right? It, it really did stick. And to your point, Eric, I think teaching the material, you didn't say that in so many words. I think that's only what you're, what you're kind of getting at. I think that's one of the best ways to help retain, to remember what you're reading is when you put yourself in situations to get in front of other people, whether it's one-on-one or in groups, to share what you've learned in some way. Maybe that's a book club, maybe it's your chamber of commerce and giving a presentation, whatever that might be. Teaching the material goes a long way to help helping you internalize it. Jeff, you lead the Read to Lead podcast. Every week you are you have a new author on your podcast. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're talking about a different book each week. If I were to listen to your podcast, why should I read the book? Do you think I get enough from your podcast to kind of say, okay, I'm good. Why do people, why should I read the book? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. Uh, Sometimes the answer to that is going to be, no, I've gotten what I've needed from this particular author on this particular book just from the conversation. It's going to depend a lot on where you are in your life and career as to to which episode is going to resonate with you more than another. And with, I think they all will offer value. And, and some are just going to be ones you get what you need from the conversation. But there are going to be times when it wets your whistle and you really want to dive into that topic more deeply. The biggest quote unquote complaint I get from listeners of my podcast is the amount of money they now spend on books that they didn't used to spend. And that to me is music to my ears. That's ultimately what my podcast is trying to do. Again, it's an on-ramp. It's a way to, uh, to find, uh, you know, books more easily accessible. But again, that's supposed to be temporary. My hope is that eventually you'll begin to dig into books uh, more deeply. Are you going to get all you need from some episodes? Yes. But when you don't, hey, there's the book. <laughs> you can you can go more deeply than we were able to on the show. And something I've done in the last few years that I didn't do in the early going, I used to think for whatever strange reason, maybe it's the type A perfectionist in me, Eric, that I had to ask a question from every chapter. 
Mm. I had to cover the book with the guests from cover to cover. And after a year or two, I let go of thinking that I had to do that. And now when I read, I'm going to ask an author 10 or 12 questions, let's say. I read and I keep reading until I've got 10 or 12 questions to ask. And then I give myself permission, if I need to, to stop. I might come up with 10 or 12 questions after reading 10 or 12 chapters. I might come up with 10 or 12 questions after reading three chapters. And regardless of where that ends up, at the end of the conversation, I say, hey, what did I not ask about? What did I not cover that you want to make sure we know? And the author has a chance to chime in with that. So all that to say, as a listener, sometimes you're, and I'll make reference to this, you're going to hear an interview that covers three chapters deeply of a 10-chapter book. Chances are, if you want to know more, you're going you're gonna to have no choice but to go out and get that book. That's good. Jesse, should I read a book? Should I read it on Kindle, physical copy? Kindle or digital copy or audio, which one's your favorite and why? All of the above. No, it depends. You know, if, for instance, they all serve different purposes in a way, you know, for instance, audiobooks. there was a study we referenced in the book that uh, there was a group of students. One group of students was given the lesson to listen to on audio version. The other group had to read the lesson. Both of them were given the same quiz, and they found out during afterward that those who read the information actually performed better on the quiz compared to those who just listened to it. So I guess the takeaway from there is, you know, if you're really wanting to study something and learn and grasp it, it's probably best to read the physical book or even the Kindle or ebook version of it. Uh, but, you know, hey, if you're commuting, then obviously it's a clear winner there is, uh, you know, listening to an audiobook version, you know, turning your car into a, uh, Jeff, I know you referenced, I think it was Zig Ziglar said, uh, what is it, a, a mobile library or, you know, so turn your car, if you're driving 30, 45 minutes one way, then that's, you know, potentially 30, 45 minutes that you could be listening to a book and learning or just having entertainment and just feeling at ease on the commute. Uh, multitasking as well, audiobooks are a clear winner there. But I think for me, though, my preference is physical books. And that's because the way I read, and, uh, and this is what we share also in the book in terms of the way I read, in terms of like note taking, keeping track of stuff, I just find it best or easiest for me at least to read a physical book, to make the marks, and then to go back through it afterward and to extract the notes and stuff. But I know there's plenty of ways in ebooks that uh, folks can do that as well and exporting their files and, and stuff. But uh, I just found at least that for me. So, Biggest challenge that presents is if I'm ever traveling, then I tend to be the guy who's taking multiple books with me somewhere, even if it's only for a two or three day trip. And I never really get to any of them or all of them, but it's like at least the thought of like, oh, if I'm away, I'm currently reading these books, I need to make sure they all come you know, with me. So anyways, I'm starting to give myself permission more and more to just take one book with me. So that way <laughs> I can just read it and not potentially read a few books. <laughs> I have been there. I've been there. It's kind of embarrassing, all the books I bring in. <laughs> the struggle Again, is the perfectionist in me is like, well, I, I should be reading these books. I'm going to spend <laughs> yeah. time away from my family and all the fun we're having. And I'm going to read because I better, better make use to this. Anyway, so that's really helpful to me just to kind of hear the benefits of, of each. I, my life wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be podcasting, I don't think. Uh, and I wouldn't have been probably as successful if it wasn't for the books on tape I listened to since mm-hmm. I was in my yeah. early 20s. You know, my dad encouraged me. He gave me all his sales books and his business mm-hmm. books that he, he had been reading. And he sent me to, to a Dale Carnegie public speaking and human effectiveness class when I was 16 Excellent. years old. 
And that started the habit of self-improvement and mm-hmm. personal development for sure. Great dad. So, yeah. yeah, he he was a great dad. And he is a great dad. He's still yeah. around. So excellent. I'm grateful for him. Okay. I want to ask you, I have some rapid fire questions to ask you guys to sort of wrap this up. Hmm. But before I do, I'm going to use your trick, Jeff. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about? about the book, Read to Lead, which is coming out August 31st, the day this episode airs or goes live on the Courage Cast. Uh, you can get it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Read to Lead, awesome book. You guys are obviously getting a teaser in this. Is there anything I haven't asked you guys about that you're really itching to talk about? I would just say to know that if you already are convinced this is a habit you need to con- need to cultivate, and maybe it's a habit you already cultivate, don't think that this not- book is not for you. That third section about how to make the most of your reading, how to get more out of what you read, how to put what you read into action, how to read uh, more in less time, all those things will be helpful to you. But if you are on the fence, you're not sure if this is a book for you, when you go to readtoleadbook.com, you can download the introduction and first chapter for free. That's readtoleadbook.com. Yeah, not really. I mean, to what Jeff said, not too much to add there. I think one of the things we hit on earlier, talking about the average reading speed, there's some really practical stuff in there from skim reading books on how to obtain information out of it to just even practical lessons people can apply on, hey, I can accelerate my reading. Because if you can go from, say, your reading average 238 words per minute, and you can increase that to 300 or 400 words per minute, then that's just a lot more material that you can read through, that's more ideas you can be exposed to, that's more challenges you can potentially overcome, just you know, information to obtain. So there's just a lot of benefits uh, to doing that. So just to even take the book and to read through that stuff as well and you know, the lessons on how to read smarter or better or faster and stuff. You know, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about improving reading speed quite a bit on his podcast mm. and I think in, in his uh, four-hour workweek book. But do you have tips in this on how to increase your reading speed, that's included. It's more than what you mentioned, right? There's some specific things, habits you can do to to increase your reading speed. Yes. So the overall, there's a ton of different things people can talk, but there's a particular chapter that we have on how to double or triple your reading speed in minutes. So we're not talking necessarily about fabricating speed reading and the promises of reading thousands of words per minute or just looking at a book and you know absorb all the contents. But there are things people can do that you can practically increase your reading speed, especially if you're an average reader, uh, to you know to improve from there. So we walk through the steps of that. And then I think Jeff was hitting on this earlier about skim reading. Like we have a chapter on how to read and quote unquote a 220 page book in an hour. And that's to Jeff was hitting at with the lessons. There are practical ways, especially with nonfiction books, that if you follow these steps, you can really pull out, you know, 70, 80% of most of like the key points of what you need by just skim reading a book well. And so we walk readers through that. And then one of the other chapters we have are 15 tips on how to read smarter. And this gets on tips on listening to audiobooks or how to read books that are on Kindle or ebook and just a host of other things. So yeah, we've got it's chock full of practical advice on that stuff. All right. All right. Let's have some fun here, guys. I have seven questions that I ask a lot of my guests. I don't do this every time, but I thought it would be fun to do this with you guys. So there'll be seven questions you each can answer, but they can't be things that you go on and on about. I just, just <laughs> real quickly, first thing you think of. Okay. Let's All right. First question for you, Jesse, and both of you, but Jesse, answer this first. What is the greatest lesson that you have learned? in your life? 
personal ownership. Uh, all right, Jeff. Yeah, I think for me, it's that I am capable of far more than I give myself credit for. And it's just ex- my mindset has expanded over the years. The books that I've read, mindset is <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> That's really, really good. I love it. I know you could talk about these things for a long time, yeah, but yeah. I thought both of those <laughs> were good not. answers. <laughs> Personal ownership and mindset shifts mm-hmm. are are huge. Yeah, it really opens you up to both of those things actually are freeing versus mm-hmm. in some way you think that they wouldn't be, but that they really are. Mm. All right, number two, what new things, Jeff, answer this one first. What new things are you just learning now? I'm learning just how to hone the writing craft. (laughs) I mean, I learned that through the process of writing the book, obviously. And I've been a writer, uh, you know, my entire life to a degree. But the process of writing a book uh, was very, very new for me. And it was a discipline that I wanted to hone and develop. And it was tough. It was really, really Mm -hmm. tough. But uh, I feel like now that I've come on the other side of it, it's something that I want to do more of. Jesse? Yeah. For me, professionally, I'm a tech marketer in the B2B space of business to business. So always learning on how to become a better marketer in that space, in particular branding, which I think I hit on earlier. So getting ready to go through a curriculum I put together for myself to do a deep dive on that topic. So that way I can be of better service to uh, the company I work with and to those we're going after. That's great. I love it. When you say tech, you mean like online marketing? Uh, yeah, automations and, and marketing funnels and those kind of things. Yes, sir. I uh, love it. I could geek out with you on that. <laughs> okay, number three, third question. Jesse, this is for you first. How has failure shaped your life? For the better. <laughs> well, either way. <laughs> your answer. Yeah. You can personally own it. Yeah. So uh, failure definitely is <laughs> for the better. As long as you're failing forward or learning from whatever mistakes or failures you've made, I would say any of the failures from big to small, they have uh, made my life better in the long term, even though it may not feel or look like that in the meantime. All right, Jeff, anything specific you want to share? Any failure specifically you could mention? Yeah. Technology? Working in, in broadcasting, I've lost my share of broadcasting jobs. I think I've lost all but one of them I ever had. I lost every music industry job I ever had uh, with the exception of the last one. Uh, but every time I lost one of those jobs, new opportunities that I never would have had the chance to participate in become available. They've all been blessings in disguise. It wasn't always immediately obvious when that happened, but eventually it was very obvious that it was a blessing. Yeah. Uh, those people, what were they thinking letting you go? <laughs> Come on. You're just, showing them, you're, just taking, you're taking all that negative energy and just turning it into a very successful read to lead brand. So very <laughs> good. Trying. Okay. This is a, this is, this is kind of a funny question, but what is something you've read that I should read? Mm. Uh, Jesse, I think it's Jeff first. Yes. Jeff, okay. Go ahead. Something I've read that you should read. Um, <laughs> One book. Okay. I referenced this earlier, and if you've not read it, I would highly recommend it. And that's Tiny Habits by Dr. B.J. Falk. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you've probably read Atomic Habits by James Clear. But if you've not read Tiny Habits, I I would read that as well. Uh, Have you read that by chance or no? No, I have not read Tiny. Nope. Yeah, I I I only go for the big. Atomic. (laughs) Okay. So there's the huge Atomic and then there's the small Tiny. Both are very, very important. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I just was reading in um, Og Mandino's book, The Greatest Salesman in the World, that uh, mm. you want to form good habits and make them your slave. Mm. So good, wow. good tiny habits. 
Yeah, Good I tiny love that. habits. Love that. And make them your slave. Okay, Jesse's looking at his huge <laughs> library behind him, and he cannot pick just one. So no, ahead, it's like picking between uh, one of my kids, and I'm having such the hardest time. But since you mentioned about geeking out on marketing, and as I look back on the stack of books I have on copywriting and advertising, Ogilvy on advertising. One, because the spine of the book is really sticking out and it's prevalent and I can see it. So it's easy for me to pick. But two, because it was a great book and I found it super helpful in reading through and positioning, advertising, copywriting, and all of that. So if you haven't read it and if you want to geek out on marketing, give it a whirl. All right. I will get it. I'll add it to my 40 plus books I've already got. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Jesse. What have you done that I should do? Uh, Skydive. No, no skydiving. Um, Let's see. Start an archery team. That is just... (laughs) So for fun, a few years ago, just looking to have an outdoor activity to enjoy with my kiddos, we started shooting bows in our backyard. And then uh, at a point in time, I got a hold of the or school principal headmaster and asked about starting a archery team. He liked the idea. So I got certified with the state of Tennessee at the time. And we obtained some, a little bit of funding from the national archery in the school program and started a team, but super fun activity uh, just personally, but then uh, also something you can enjoy with other folks and family members and stuff as well. So if you haven't uh, at least got involved in archery, you may not want to start a team, but at least get a bow and shoot some arrows. (laughs) <laughs> That's fascinating. I love that. My son really loves that. He just took an interest in it. He's 19 and he want he just got a bow, an arrow set. So we're we're wow, doing excellent. it. That's fun. There you go. You're off to the races. All right. Jeff, what have you done that I should do? I know you're musically inclined. Mine yes. would be to serve as conductor and musical director on a full-length musical. You've mm. done that? I've done that, yeah. And I was 16 years old. <laughs> Jeff, that scares me to death. That scares me to death. That's why I think you should do it. <laughs> do something that scares you, yeah. <laughs> okay. Live outside your comfort zone, Eric. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> that's very that's that's really impressive. I love that. Okay. I will do I will do something like that. I'll look for it. I'll look Give for it. Give it a shot. Give okay. Shot. Number six, Jeff. Who do you know that I should know? In other words, who do you know that you would like to introduce me to, maybe for the podcast or mm-hmm. just somebody you think I should know that uh, you could interest, introduce me to? Mm, you know, the, the first person I thought of is my junior high school music teacher. <laughs> and I thought of him, I, he's, gosh, he would be in his late 60s now, I guess, maybe knocking on the door of 70. The coolest guy I knew in school and was such, had such an impact on my early development and just confidence building and helping me understand the value of doing things you don't think you're ready to do quite yet mm-hmm. and doing them anyway. Mm-hmm. And he just instilled that in me at a young age and gave me so much confidence that up to that point I did not have. And I, he was just the first person that popped in my head when, when you asked that question. Will I ever be able to make that introduction? I don't know, but, but that's who I thought of when you asked. Mr. Holland's opus. Basically Mr. something Holland. like that. Yes. I bawled yes. at that movie. I bawled like a baby. Oh, oh I bet. <laughs> I bet you called called him or got contacted. We had dinner. Him. We had dinner. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that would be really interesting to meet him. Jesse, who do you know Ooh. that I should know? 
I'm going to take a cue from Jeff and go with the first name that popped into my mind. So forgive me for all of those who that was not the person, but uh, <laughs> John Rydell. So he's the co-founder and CEO of PhoneBurner, where I work at. So he's now been working, well, I've been working with him now for the past several months and, you know, great man, a wonderful businessman, family man as well. So I'm learning a ton from just observing how he runs his business, leads his family, and then just also a lot of the practical advice and support in the meantime, and just growing professionally and as a person as well. Wow. Yeah, that would be, that would be a great conversation. Thanks, Jesse. For sure. Okay. Uh, number seven, the last question is, and you cannot say, well, let me ask the question and I'll tell you what you can't say. Uh, <laughs> how, how can I add value to you, Jesse? How can I add value to you? You cannot say, well, you've already given added value to me by having me on your podcast. So how else can I add value to you? First thing that came to my mind was check in on me in a month and just ask how I'm doing or how things are going on. And then we'll just have a conversation from there and see how it goes. <laughs> Okay. All right. How's it going? That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Just checking in. <laughs> just checking in. All right. You'll have to send me your uh, contact details so I can... I can do that. <laughs> okay. Jeff, how can I add value to you? And I say this with no pressure at all uh, because I understand you know, people have schedules and, and this date may not be open for you. But if you're not otherwise occupied the evening of August 31st, I would be delighted if you showed up at the book launch celebration in Spring Hill. <laughs> I can do that. I can absolutely do that. Well, that will be today when this podcast airs. Yes. So I, you can count on tonight. I will be at Jeff Brown's <laughs> and probably Jesse. Will you be there or not? I think I'm going to, well, since I recently moved and just because of timing on some other things, I think not what we're trying it. to work out is I'm going to beam in via video for a conversation. Well, I'll be there right next to Jeff. So he can just walk around with the phone and I can just be on the phone and then it'll be like I'm almost there in person. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. That's great. Super honored to be there. You'll have to send me all the details to that too, Jeff. All right. Hey, uh, Jesse Wisniewski and Jeff Brown, uh, the authors, co-authors, right? That's how I should call you. Mm Co-authors of Read to Lead is available now. I'll put a link in the show notes to you guys. Definitely something that everyone should check out if you're serious about utilizing probably the least expensive way of personal developing yourself, either personally or in business, is reading a book. So uh, hopefully everyone is challenged to do that and uh, we've done our part today. Thank you, Jeff and Jesse, for being on the Courage Cast. Thanks so much. Excellent. Thank you, Eric.